Tis the season for planning and resolutions. Tis the season for planning and resolutions. What do you want to do this year? What do you want to happen in 2021? Who would you want to be like? What do you want to change about your life? Do you want to increase your savings account? Do you want to decrease your waistline? What do you want? What are you planning? You see, last week, I realized who I wanted to be like. And that was as I was, as people were coming in the, in the, in the church, I saw Robert Copeland. Here's Robert over here. And Robert sticks his hand out and gives me a fist bump. Now, at first I thought, okay, it's COVID time. That makes sense. Everyone's being a little bit more cautious. So I bump fists with him. But Robert, like an NBA superstar after the fist bump, goes and explodes it in the air. <laughs> I, thought, I thought, that's fantastic. I, lo- I love that. And then he caught me off guard because I should have done it too. And I just looked like the, like the, uh, the silly one. But I love, I love that, that uh, youthful energy in there. What are all the things that we want to change about ourselves? What are the things that we want to uh, change in our lives? You see... I've always been a little bit of a daydreamer. I like to sit and I like to think about what might be one day. And I like to think about what it would be like to pay off uh, my house. And then what would I do with all that extra money with the house? What would I do with all this extra extra money that just flows flows through, right? And so I daydream about these things. I daydream about maybe a, a new car that I want, or I daydream about what even the church can look like and how we can how we can grow, how we can reach people. Are you a daydreamer? Do you dream about all the things that can happen in your life, all the good of changes that can happen in your life? You see, Jesus actually addresses a little bit of daydreaming. And he addresses changing uh, plans in our life and changing things in our life. Jesus will tell us what we need to do and how we need to plan accordingly. So whether you've actually made a list of New Year's resolutions that you want to plan in your life, or maybe there's just things that you're thinking about, I need to work on this in my life. Jesus is going to tell you a little bit of how we can make these changes and make the godly changes in our life. So if you have your Bible, open up to Luke chapter 12. That's where we're going to be most of today. In Luke chapter 12, and Jesus is talking with lots of folks. A huge crowd is gathering around Jesus. Matter of fact, there's so many, they're, they're they're all on top of each other. And as he's telling things about about, uh, worldly wisdom and how you can change that to godly wisdom and who you should listen to, there's a man that pipes up because he wants Jesus to tell his family members how to live their lives. And sometimes we get like this as well. We want to use Jesus to tell others how to live our life, or we want to use Jesus to fix our problems. And in Luke chapter 12, verse 13, it says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? Then he said, Watch out, 
Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So as Jesus is talking, this man comes out with something that's out of left field. It wasn't what Jesus was talking about, but he wants Jesus to fix a problem that he's having in his life. And the problem is he's fighting with his brother over the inheritance of his family. And he wants Jesus to make right what his brother supposedly is uh, wronging him for. And so Jesus wants this man to realize that even if he told him what he had to do, because at first he says, who am I to judge? Now, Jesus does have the ability to tell us what we should do, and we should listen to Jesus, but what this man really wants is for Jesus to fix his problems. And what Jesus wants this man to realize is his problems have nothing to do with his inheritance. His problems really have nothing to do with the money that he's going to get. His problem is a broken relationship with his brother. And so what Jesus tells him here is life does not consist of an abundance of of possessions. What he wants this man to realize is We shouldn't let things, material things, get in the way of our relationship. So if this man really wants joy in his life, if he really wants to fix the problems that he has in his life, first he needs to work out his relationship with his brother. Don't let money come in in between the two of them. Is that a hard thing for us to do? Is that a hard thing for us to swallow? Probably so, because we want what's right. But Jesus wants us to truly experience joy and to truly experience contentment in our life. And the only way we do that is to be content with what we have and to make right in our relationships. You see, Paul tells Timothy some very similar things about what's going to make you content what's going to make you happy, what's going to bring you joy. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, it says, or excuse me, chapter 4, verse, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse, verse 6, it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich will fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish, harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. What Timothy wants us, or what Paul wants us to understand, and what he wanted Timothy to understand was if you truly want joy in your life, you need to be content with what you have, and you need to be living a godly life. And what Paul tells Timothy is that is what true wealth is. If you truly want to be wealthy, if you truly want to be wealthy and have joy in your life, be content where you are. I remember I was down on a uh, in a on a Mexico mission trip, and I know I've told this multiple times, but every time when I think about being content in my life, the the picture that I always see 
is this woman that was living in a house made of mud. And I was over in her house and she was teaching me how to make tamales. And these were probably some of the best tamales you would ever make because these tamales came straight, like everything in that house and in her garden is what made these tamales. The chickens were there. The corn was being grown there. And we would take the corn and we would take it off of the husk, grind the corn up. I wasn't around for the chicken killing and all that part, but I was around for the taking corn off. Grinding the corn up and then turning it into this pasty flour or cornmeal. And then she baked the tamales and we we ate those. But I remember as I walked outside her house, this house that literally was made of mud, you looked out into this valley and it was beautiful. And she just told me how much she was blessed by our God. She was content with what she had. Most of us would be thinking, could I really live in a house made of mud bricks? Well, if you walked out her door and you saw the beauty of God, you probably would be okay. And she lived a very, very simple life, but a very content life. And a life that she praised God for what God had given her. So that's what Paul tells us. Live a godly life. Live a life where you're content with what you have. And then you will truly have joy in your life. So the parable goes on. And Jesus wants the people to understand what it means to plan for a joyous life with God and what it means to live the opposite of that. In Luke chapter 12, verse 16, he says, And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. There I will store my surplus of grain, and I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared yourself for? What does Jesus want us to see here? The first thing He wants us to see is that all of our blessings come from God. What does he say caused the abundant harvest? The ground. The ground is what caused the abundant harvest. The man had a part in it. By the sweat of his brow, he tilled the ground. By the sweat of his brow, he he plowed it, he planted. He grew this. But none of it would have happened without God. And what Jesus wants us to understand is every one of our blessings comes from God. Sometimes we think that it's, it's, our, it's our own sweat, it's our own hard work that causes us to be so blessed, but we've got to remember that our blessings truly come from God. And that's why Jesus says the abundance came from the ground. And who gave us the ground? God gave us the ground. And so that should be the man's first thoughts. The man's first thought should have been, God has blessed me. How can I use these blessings to, sh- to give to God? How can I bless others 
with these blessings? What plans can I make for all this, all this abundance? As we go into 2021 and we have these plans, maybe to be healthier, maybe to uh, save more, maybe to get a better job or educate ourselves better. Are we putting God into these plans? Are we realizing every blessing that we're going to receive this year is going to be a blessing from God? And so one of the things that I thought was interesting is the man chooses to think everything he did was his own hard work. And so what does he do? He chooses to take his abundant blessing. And he didn't even have room in his, in his, in his house or room in his, his stores for all these blessings. So his plans were to tear everything down, build bigger stores for himself, and then live the happy life. To eat, drink, and be merry. Take it easy. And everything he saw was selfish. He was just thinking about himself. And it was very short-sighted. And that's why God tells him, or Jesus tells us in the parable, your life might be gone. All that you've worked for, everything that you've done, all of the planning you made, the planning without me can be taken from you in one night. And then what do you have? What did all those stores get for you? What did all, what did all your, your savings, what did all that do for you? If you didn't bring me into these plans. I like whenever we're thinking about the plans that we have in our life. Because it's smart to plan. It's smart to save. It's smart to look ahead. And I think we all should do that. We should all better ourselves in some way. But where is God in these plans? This Christmas, this holiday season, there was a commercial that came out. And I thought it's a fantastic commercial that shows us about having the right plans and what we can do with these right plans. And so we're going to show that video right now as this, uh, as this video started off and this commercial starts off, we think we can identify with this man, especially as we've gotten older and maybe we've gotten more out of shape. We think that this, this old man is uh, wanting to work out because he realizes that he's not what he once used to be. And he wanted to get in shape, but the whole time, what did he want? He wanted not just to get in shape, that's a, that's a, that's a nice byproduct of it, but he wanted to lift someone else up to share in the joy. And every one of our plans, every one of the things that we should do should be made to lift others up so they can see God. So if we want to live a nice, healthier life, we should use that to glorify our God. If we want to save our money and be smarter with our, with our finances, we should use those finances to reach those that are less fortunate and help the church, and lift others up in that way. If we want to make plans to spend less time on social media or less time on our phone, what we need to do is not just spend less time doing that, but change the time 
and use that time in devotion to God. If we want to spend more time with our family, spend more time with our children, we don't want to just play games with them or watch a movie with them. But we want to spend that time with them, teaching them about the love of our God. You see, all of these plans that we have, they're wonderful things. And we should make plans and we should better ourselves. But we should do that knowing that we're trying to raise people up, that we're trying to help others see the good that happens in our life so that they will praise God. In Luke chapter 12, verse 21, it says, we're starting verse 20, but God said to him, you fool, that very night your life will be demanded from you. Then you'll get what you have prepared. Then who will get what you prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Does that say that God doesn't want us to go and and be successful? That God doesn't want us to go and get money? doesn't say that at all. It says this is for those that just look to bless themselves and take God out of the equation. How we're going to improve ourselves and not raise people up to see the wonderful things that God's given us. We need to store for ourselves treasures in heaven. Make resolutions, but not for selfish gain, but make resolutions where we can raise others up to see our God, to see how wonderful He is. In James chapter 4, verse 13, it says, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, We will go to this city and spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All your boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's a sin for them. What James, the brother of Jesus, is telling us is we might have all these plans, but we should always be considering, is God in those plans? Is God with us when we're doing it? That's what it means is if it's the Lord's will, is God part of your plans with you? And if he's not part of those plans, what are you doing? You're just boasting. You're boasting about tomorrow that you don't even know will happen. The only thing we know is that who holds tomorrow is our God. And so we want God to be involved in all of our plans that we make this year. It's kind of interesting. There's a, I've been here for, I think, 14 years, 13 and a half years. And so many times I'll hear... Uh, People they'll they'll tell us and and Chris can tell you the same thing is is they're 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 older folks in in our congregation or that were part of this congregation they said you know one day we're going to give a big check to the church and sometimes that happens quite a bit and not that 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 we're just sitting here and saying you've got to give a big money you got to give big inheritance to the church but out of their own accord they just said that to us. And the funny thing is, or the, the ironic thing, but, but often we realize it never happens because 
they wait and wait and wait, and then when they pass away, their children don't have those same plans as, as they did. And maybe it's not that you're just wanting to give finances to the church, but maybe you're wanting to say, well, in a little bit, whenever I get a little bit of rest, I'll, I'll teach or I'll start coming more often or whatever the case is, we put it off so often. And since Thanksgiving, I've had this theme of tis the season. What it could have also been said is the time is now. The time is now to glorify our God. The time is now to suffer for Christ, to be like Jesus wants the younger brother to be, to say, you know what? I think it's fair that I have that inheritance, but my relationship with my brother is more important. So sometimes we have to suffer in the name of Christ to do what's right. The time is now. Tis the season to take a risk, to tell others about the love and joy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Tis the season, the time is now to live a life of joy, to mend relationships that might have been broken. The time is now to imagine what it will be like one day to be in the throne room of God and to see Jesus face to face. If we're going to sit and we're going to daydream and we're going to think about all the plans we have, think about that ultimate plan as seeing the face of Jesus Christ. And what will it be like when we see Jesus? Will, when we see Jesus, will we, be, will we be like Moses was and hide our face as he, as he sees God, as God passes by? Do we have to hide from Him because of His holiness? Or will we be like David was as the Ark of the Covenant, God's Ark is, is coming back into Jerusalem after it had been taken and stolen and the Lord's presence is going to come back into the temple. Well, not the temple yet, but into the tabernacle and David is just dancing and celebrating with all his might before God. Is that what we'll be like whenever we come before Jesus? Or will we be like the 24 elders that it talks about in Revelation as the slain lamb comes into the, into the room, into the throne room, and they all just fall to their knees? What's it going to be like when we finally get to heaven? When we finally get to see our Savior that died for us, that gave His life for us? The beauty is while we're waiting, sometimes it's hard to wait, but Jesus has us do something interesting, something great while we wait. As He says every week, come together. Share a meal. Think about Me. Think about this reunion. That's what Jesus was telling in the Last Supper. That He's not going to drink of the wine again until we're all together. But we get to sit here and we get to keep on doing it and remind ourselves that one day we will be with our Lord and Savior. And so I want to sing this song. This is a this is a this is a interesting song that uh, came on the that that it's been on the radio for a while, and it's a song that I I, I started thinking about as uh, as I was flying back from Colorado. And in this song, the reason I got to it is I was working on my sermon for last week. And our pilot 
started taking off. He told us it's going to be a little bit bumpy of a ride. And as I'm sitting in the plane, I guess I wasn't working on the sermon yet. I was looking at my Facebook and have a real bone to pick with Anita Truett here. Anita puts on her Facebook, I don't really like flying, but Anita puts on her Facebook this little meme. Usually it's nice little things about adopting animals, but she puts this on her Facebook. This is the last thing I saw before the plane takes off and I have to turn off my phone. (laughs) How often do planes crash? Just once. Thanks, Anita. I'm already uncomfortable with this. Thought, okay, well, turn that off. Then I start doing some Bible study. Then we start taking off, and this pilot takes off. He, he hits that runway at a 90-degree angle, takes, and it is a loop-de-loop roller coaster ride. And all I do is I just put my headphones in, and I start listening, and this song comes on. I can only imagine. It's a popular song on the radio, but it's also been done uh, in, in a congregational version. And so as we think about going into the throne room of God, as we think about viewing uh, who our Christ is, as we go into this, this time of communion with God, before we do that, I want us to sing this song together. And we haven't really, I don't think we've ever sung it here. You probably heard of it, and it's a little bit different of arrangement, but we'll get, uh, we'll get started. We'll sing this, and then we'll take the Lord's Supper together. Tis the season to imagine this year with our Lord. Tis the season to plan and to imagine all the incredible things that we can accomplish and hopefully everything that we plan and everything that we, that we hope to become this year involves our God. Tis the season to imagine what this congregation can be like as, as we pray that, that this virus will, will be rid of this land. And people will be able to come back and we'll be able to fully function and reach out to others. Imagine what God can do. Imagine what God can do through you. Make those plans and do it. But there's no better time than today to start with these plans. It's a good start at the beginning of the year to know that we want to, we want to change some of the things about ourselves to hopefully become more godly and to involve God in our life a lot more. And some of us haven't made that first step. And that first step is to realize we need Christ in our life and we need to die to ourselves and be raised with Him. And you can do that today. You can be baptized into Christ Jesus today. You can have a new life with Him. You can have that forgiveness that He offers. You can have that eternal life that you don't just have to imagine it, but one day we will be with our Lord and Savior. We will get to see Him face to face. Tis the season to bring Christ into your life. Tis the season to bring yourself back to God, whatever your need might be. If you have any need of the church, please come while we stand and sing.